Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Dr. Katina Sawyer, and welcome to Thriving at Work, a Worker Being podcast. You can learn more about us on our website, workerbeing.com, or on social, or if you'd like, you can support our community. You can find more details about our community at workerbeing.com slash community. So today we are going to be talking about work-life balance. And um, I know that this is a topic that plagues people because folks really (laughs) want to find the secret to balance and how to create a more balanced life. Um, So before we dive into kind of the takeaways for what we will be discussing today, um, I have a question for you or just a thought uh, that maybe we could set out there and our listeners could maybe think about, which is... If you close your eyes and imagine a time that you felt really balanced, and it could be any time in your life at all, when when do you feel like was a period of time in your life where you felt like, wow, like I I had a glimpse of what balance might look like? Ooh, this is such a good question. And I'm trying to think about that time. And honestly, it's like a weird answer. This is going to be such a weird answer. Um, but it's probably going to get to the point of, Work-life balance looks different for everyone. I mm. think it was when we first started worker being. Because I was in a position at the time where maybe like a, a year into starting worker being. Like so earlier on. Um, because I was in a position that I was like really comfortable in, really understood well, and could do very easily and wasn't very taxing yet at that point. Right? Because I had been in this role for a while and really was I don't want to say mastered it, but I was doing well with it. Right. And so that meant that my mental space was not being taken up by my full-time job outside of the work itself, which freed up my mental space for other things, which included worker being, which while I was maybe working more hours, like technically working more hours, worker being is obviously something I really care about. So I felt really good about the amount of balance uh, between my work, my worker being stuff, what I was doing in my personal life, because everything was kind of where I wanted it to be. And I was spending the amount of time I wanted on each thing the way I wanted to. I feel mm. like I haven't been always able to spend as much time on worker being as I've wanted to as of late. Um, and so I think that makes me feel more out of balance than if I had um, more time to do other work. So I know that's like a terrible answer, but that's the truth. No. <laughs> No, I think that's a great answer. And I think that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, like um, when I I can't say that that was the most balanced time for me, because if you'll remember when we were starting it, it was partially because I was like, I hate my job. I hate my life. I <laughs> um, so uh, so, yeah. So but I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, I recall that as being true. So I feel like that's I feel like that's a good one. Um Mine actually is like maybe sadder. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like um, but I was thinking back to actually when I was in like grade school and high school, like when I was younger. And I know that that's weird because you don't have that much of life. But what I was thinking about in that was like more so that I wasn't as um, like, I think I've grown more uh, focused on like achievement and like, work as being something that you do for more hours a day than things that you find enjoyable and when I look back at like how I used to set up my time I spent a lot of time like socializing I spent a lot of time doing activities that I really liked and I didn't really think about it as like competing with my achievement or like oh I can't like 
do that because it'll take away from like my time to study or my time to like do these like things that are going to be helpful extracurricular for like college or whatever. Like I just kind of had like a different criteria for whether or not I was doing well, which was sort of like, am I happy and am I having fun? And I Mm. think like that criteria over time has shifted, which I think is probably true for everyone as they go into adulthood. But I think it's important to kind of remember like, Sometimes it's also a priority that you place on something that determines whether or not your balance is like there or not. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I was thinking about. And um, I'm sure there's been other times in my like adult life that things have been balanced. But I think it's interesting because you're talking a little bit about structure. I'm talking a little bit about mentality. And actually that relates pretty nicely to the article that um, I'm going to be reviewing today, which is a meta analysis, which we talk about all the time on here, which is a bunch of studies that are sort of pushed together. And so just to give some like preview of the takeaways, um, they're not going to be maybe earth shattering to start, but I think the last one is super interesting to delve further into. So the Mm -hmm. first is that strain decreases your balance and that's strain in how you see the world as well as the demands of your job. The second is that motivational environments and mindsets increase balance. So having more of a focus on the positive and having more resources on the job tend to create more balance. And the last one that we'll dive more into is that oftentimes when we think of balance, we think about getting rid of demands or decreasing conflicts that we have, but actually resources and a focus on enrichment may be more of the key to experiencing balance than the latter. So, um, or the former, (laughs) (laughs) um, so in any event, um, those are the three takeaways that we're going to explore today. Ooh, that last one's a little controversial. So (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yes, it definitely is. It definitely is. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I can already see kind of where this is going, but I love to like break down each of them. So let's start with that first one. Do you have a little more detail there? Yeah. So just to give a sense of the article that I'm looking at. So um, this article basically looked at 130 studies. um, And so it was across over 200,000 people um, Mm. looking at their work-life balance. So this is a huge, huge study. And they were sort of interested in, what precedes people's work-life balance? So this is a big question in life. It's like, okay, we talk about balance all the time. What can I do to try to make sure that my life is in balance? And, um, you know, while we talk about um, work-life balance being sort of not a one-size-fits-all um, sort of uh, solution, it is sort of a feeling that we can achieve for ourselves, even if, um, what it looks like might be different. So this idea of balance is sort of the evaluation that you have for how favorably you're combining your work and non-work roles, um, so that you're feeling satisfied with or effective with, um, the way that you're sort of working across your work and life domains. Um, so again, like you mentioned, it is not one size fits all from the perspective of that could be, that could be derived differently for different people. Um, but it's really about kind of your attitude about how you're combining things at work and things outside of work to a point where you feel like they're harmonious in a way that you're satisfied with. So that's the idea of balance. 
Um, and so they were curious kind of, okay, even though this might look differently for different people, what are some general averages or takeaways that we could kind of derive from all of these studies that have been done? If we look across the studies, what helps us to create balance? And so they started sort of with the negative um, piece of things. And what they found across all of these employees in the study and all of the different um, studies that have been done was that having more of a focus on the negative in life serves as a strain that decreases your balance. Um, and in terms of negativity, things that cause strain, having more demands on your job also played a role um, in leading to uh, greater levels of strain. Um, and so that strain, things like job overload in particular, um, how many work hours you're participating in. Um, so the idea that kind of you're just, you have too much to do <laughs> and not enough time in which to do it in. Um, that uh, set of demands, in addition to sort of having a negative outlook on life, um, tended to uh, decrease your balance. And so I can break down a little bit why that is, but the basic takeaway is it's a little bit about your mentality and a little bit about the type of job you're in that leads you to kind of get out of whack when we're talking about sort of negative things that detract from your balance. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense, right? Like if you have a lot of things going on, a lot of work to do, not enough time, a lot of demands on your time that are not, um, I mean, even if you love your job and you want to do your job a lot, <laughs> you want to work more hours than you need to, that still is going to cause stress over time, just having too much to do, right? And then the negative attitude piece, the the mentality piece is really interesting. So if you're kind of looking at things in a with like the glass half empty, like I'd love to hear more about that one. Yeah, so... With regard to the personal characteristics, um, they looked at a personality trait called neuroticism, but then they kind of expanded it out and said, well, the bigger takeaway here is that if you're in a bad mood a lot, experiencing a lot of negative emotions, what ends up happening is you pay more attention to negative things in your environment. So if I'm having, mm. uh, if I'm having a day where you know I've been set off on the course of my day in a bad mood... And then I get in the car and I get stuck in traffic. I'm more likely to be like, this traffic is horrible. Everything is bad about this traffic, right? Whereas if I started my day off in a positive mood, I might be like, I'm in traffic. That's kind of annoying. But like the birds are singing or like, I like this song that's on the radio, right? So when we're in a negative mood, it kind of narrows our focus around what's bad in our environment. And we sort of become like, like fulfillers of the negative mood. Like we sort of <laughs> seek out and find bad stuff in our environments. And so when you're in an environment that has a lot going on, it's very stressful. <clears throat> that causes you to experience lower balance. But then you might imagine that if you're in a negative mood and you're looking for like, and now another task that I have to do, or I hate doing this thing on the job, or I don't like to interact with this person. Um, and you're really noticing more of those negative things around you. That's going to exacerbate the extent to which you're experiencing your environment as being overwhelming from a psychological, emotional perspective. So when you're in that mode, you're really more likely to like notice things that are knocking you out of balance to focus on them more heavily. And then at the end of the day, you're more likely to say, you know what? Today was not a balanced day for me. A lot went wrong. 
Yeah, that makes sense. So then like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like some of the takeaways or things you can do for this specific finding is, you know, mindfulness is probably good practice if you're think if you're always in this negative space like how can you start to reframe your experience to be more positive so you stop seeing all these negative things without the positives but then also it sounds like trying to figure out like how to reduce that strain so how can you take things off your plate yeah absolutely so if you're a manager definitely thinking about how you can create more manageable jobs for people so that they're able to fit the demands of the job so if people are constantly complaining to you that they're stretched too thin that they don't know how they're gonna get done all the work that they have to get done that the team's operating too lean like all of those things are really important things to pay attention to and if you're in a job where you have a lot of those demands and you're recognizing that you have those having a conversation with your manager can help figuring out maybe ways to streamline certain tasks, asking which tasks you can delegate, maybe delegating some tasks off your plate. Um, Or also thinking about, are there certain things that you can roll off of? So maybe you're on some committees at work that you don't have to do, or um, you're in, you're, you know, in a bunch of meetings every week that you could make the suggestion that maybe these don't need to be meetings, but they could be emails or whatever. Right. Um, So (laughs) decreasing the demands of the job directly. And if you're a manager, you obviously have control or more control over those Um, for your teams. And then you mentioned two things for the negative in life. And I think mindfulness is great because it helps to put you sort of in a more present state that's more positively focused. So you can help to eliminate some of the things that you're holding on to over the course of the day that happened before and really forget about what happened before and stay what's focused, stay focused on what's happening in the present. And that can help you to get out of that negative mindset. But you also mentioned something else, which I actually hadn't thought about as a, um, potential solution, but it makes a lot of sense, which is this idea of reframing. And so there's a whole literature on reframing, which suggests that if you're in the midst of feeling negatively about something and you pause and you say, okay, that may be true that this task is terrible, but what's positive about it? So um, maybe I don't like doing this task, but perhaps whenever I do this task, my boss is really pleased with me and I get positive feedback. And so it helps me to advance in my career. Or maybe every time I do this task, I learn something a little bit new or interesting that I could apply, um, to my toolkit. Right. So trying to actually like step back and say, um, what's positive about this. And even if you just step back and say, okay, well, the positive thing about this is that in 20 minutes it will be done. Right. Um, That can sometimes be a more positive way of looking at something. So this idea of reframing can really help. So on one hand, these strains, whether that's job demands in terms of overwork hours that you're working that are just taking up too much time or being in this negative mindset, there are ways you can sort of restructure or shake yourself out of that that can help even a little bit to bring you back into balance. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so that's a I think a really good learning something you can easily maybe not easily it's not always easy to reframe or practice mindfulness or even reduce your workload but something that there's like tangible things that we can understand and and try to work on what about that second takeaway what would you what details do you have on that one yeah so this is more on the positive end of things which is basically the idea that what they found was best for balance is creating a motivational work environment and mindset Um, And so this means two things similar to the strain piece. So I thought it was kind of interesting that in both categories, they found that what really helps out of all the things that could help with balance are something about mindset and something about demands or resources, right? And so, Mm -hmm. um, so in the motivational piece of things, 
what they found was something that is really cool for us because we actually have a course on this. What they found mm-hmm. was that focusing more on the positive at work, particularly growing your psychological capital, helped to Ooh. increase your feelings of balance. Um, and so we've been talking for a long time about the importance of psychological capital on this show and in our course um, that is available online. Um, and so the great thing about this takeaway around PsychCap and PsychCap is made up of four components, which is optimism, self-efficacy, hope, and resilience. And the good thing about PsychCap is that you can grow it. Um, it sounds like, well, how can I just make myself a more optimistic person? Or how can I make myself a more hopeful person? Actually, there are ways that you can do that. It's a resource or a capacity. It's not a personality trait. And so um, when you grow your psychological capital, what ends up happening is in the face of challenges to your balance you're more likely to feel like, okay, I can overcome these challenges, more resilience. You're also more likely to see the positive things around you. So just like I was talking about with a negative mentality, you're focused on like, well, what's bad about things? When you're in a more optimistic mood and you feel better about your ability to achieve tasks or goals, then you enter into the situation that you're in saying, oh, well, I can easily, more easily see the positive parts of these things. I feel equipped to do this. So even if it's not my favorite task or things aren't going very well, I feel like I can overcome it and I can understand that there are some positive things associated with what I'm going through. And I feel like a better time period is probably on the horizon. And even if I face some challenges, I can bounce back from those. So PSYCAP is really this um, really nice resource that you can grow and build that actually is, they find across all these studies, really, really key for increasing your work-life balance. That's amazing. I mean, we'll definitely link to our articles about it, our course. Um, I love the concept of psychological capital and it's actually very easy to do exercises and practice around it. So it just seems like a, I mean, I feel like I'm speechless because I'm like thrilled to hear that because that's so good. Yeah. Because that's something that you can easily implement. Like if you take our course, if you read through what we, we have to share, like you can take that and super easily take it to your teams and start working on it right away. It's not um, something that's cost prohibitive. It's not something that's really difficult to do. And you can go through these exercises to really start building your psychological capital and then impacting work-life balance. That's, I mean, that's great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I was super excited when I read that too, because it's like, okay, awesome. Everybody's always talking about balance, but it seems like people don't really know how to get there. And so PSYCAP is a great tool to get yourself into the mindset in which you're more likely to find balance. Um, And then from a structural perspective, they found that things like job autonomy and social support ended up providing resources that were helpful for increasing balance. So um, again, if you're a manager, Um, not micromanaging people is really important for helping them feel like they have balance. What is balanced to you may not be balanced to them. Letting people have control, more control over their schedule when and how they do their work helps people to find that balance, the right mix for them, right? Um, how that balance can actually play out in a way that works for them. So, um, and if you're an employee and you don't have control over that, um, really thinking about ways in which you can actually at least gain a little bit more control over things that you might not be conscious about. So what is what are some dead areas or dead time that you have that you can convert more consciously into time that you're really spending um, in a in a conscious or thoughtful way to help replenish resources? Or, um, you know, can you ask for 
uh, more responsibility on the job? Or can you ask for um, some uh, an arm's length of distance to try to, you know, do things on your own? Um, have that conversation with your manager if you think they would be amenable. So um, just finding that control on the job, but also building those connections from a social s- support perspective. So when you feel like you have more support for people to help you kind of pick up the slack, brainstorm, get your tasks done, that also helps you to find greater balance because you're, you know, feeling like you're not alone um, in in getting done the things that you have to get done on the job. So you can also focus on building those connections, bonds. Remember, in a remote work environment, to still take time for that relationship building. And that goes for managers and employees alike. So, okay. So just quick summary of this takeaway. Um, things you can do. Build your psychological capital. We'll link to a bunch of resources on that. You can search for more job autonomy or as a leader, give more autonomy to people. And then you can build your networks and social support and have people to support you so that you start to feel a little bit better about your balance. Yes. Awesome. Exactly. I love it. You got it. Um, so yeah. So, so far we know that strain being in a strainful mindset and a more demanding and straining job decreases your balance being in more of a motivational and resource rich mindset and having more resources on the job increases your balance. But now is like this interesting question around, well, kind of what's more important, right? And what they found, although there's quite a few details to what they found, the high level takeaway is that there may be reason to believe that resources and enrichment are a little bit more important for finding balance than demands and conflict. And when I'm talking about conflict and enrichment, I'm talking about sort of a focus on whether or not your work and your family are fighting with each other. Are they at odds with each other or whether or not you're in a in sort of um, uh, a mode where you're thinking about the ways in which your work and your family enrich each other or that actively you feel like they are enriching each other. So my work makes me better as a family member. My family member, my family makes me better as an um, employee And it could be people outside of family or just your life experiences as well. It doesn't need to be uh, specifically related to um, a family unit. But um, what they find here is that when you're thinking about balance, building resources in and really focusing on creating and uncovering those enriching experiences, when is who you are in life making you a better employee? When is who you are at work making you better in your life? is actually a little bit better for improving your ability to feel balance than if you're trying to eliminate demands and eliminate conflicts. So it's not just about getting rid of bad stuff. Even more key, maybe proactively making sure that you have access to good stuff. And I'm sure that there's like some sort of relationship with assuming, you know, you're working within a normal range of hours things like that right like there's obviously extreme situations where enrichment may not be the only solution right Mm -hmm. no matter what you're gonna burn out but that does make sense to me because if you're in a situation where you're working with again within a range of normal hours trying to reduce all that strain trying to reduce the conflict is like an active it can be an active act about a negative thing versus again, that reframing piece, right? You could come in and be like, instead of like, these things are actively bad and I'm trying to get rid of them. You're now saying these things are actively good for me. This thing is going to help me here. This thing is going to help, um, you know, enrich my family life or, um, 
this is going to help enrich my work life, those types of things would put you more in that positive mindset. So it feels like the the common thread is this mentality piece, right? It's not, you know, assuming you're within a normal range of hours and work and your needs are being met like that. It seems like how you're approaching your work is really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, there was a negative relationship, meaning the more conflict that you felt, the lower your balance was. And there was a positive relationship between the more enrichment you felt, the higher your balance was. So it's not that the demands don't matter, but in terms of just like the magnitude of what mattered, it seemed like um, they found that the positive tends to create this like harmonious feeling. And, and you're right. Like, I think because what you're really asking about when you're asking people if they're in balance is, do you feel this feeling of harmony between your work and your life? And when people think back, or at least what they are surmising in the article, is that when people look back on whether or not their day was harmonious, they're looking back on times when they were able to make decisions about when and where they did their work. They're thinking about times when they had really good interactions with their coworkers. They're thinking about times when they really felt like, oh, you know what? I did this really great thing at work and I got to come home and tell my family about it. And that made everybody really proud of me or made me feel really um, like a good role model for the people in my household. Or um, I had this really wonderful moment with a friend of mine where we were really authentic and vulnerable with each other. And then that made me realize that that's important for me to do with my team as well. That those were the kinds of things that people were thinking about when they were really focused on the harmony um, between their work and life a little bit more than they were thinking about, well, am I in balance? I don't know. I was really annoyed by this thing. Or I have, um, or, you know, I work too many hours. Those things were important as well. But um, it seems like a little bit more of a driver of whether people feel harmonious or whether or not people look back on their day and see these positive kind of bright spots. Yeah, that makes sense. So it sounds like from a takeaways perspective, we're going to sum up everything that we've learned and what you should do. So if you're a manager, you help reduce strain by, you know, not overworking your people, reasonable expectations, reasonable hours. You help with... um, providing resources that they need, like job autonomy, allowing people to kind of have control over their day and their work, um, and providing community and social support within the company. And then from an individual person perspective, it seems like there's a little bit more here. Like the first piece would be to reframe, to practice mindfulness, to try to be more positive if you're having negative responses to your work-life balance. Um, Then from the positive perspective, building your psychological capital, I guess a manager can help with that too. But yes, building your psychological capital, kind of, again, now looking at things a little bit more positively, trying to reframe your situation. And then kind of that last piece is really around um, assuming you, generally speaking, have a decent work environment. If you're feeling at conflict, trying to find those enriching moments, trying to think back as to how things are working in a positive way will help you feel better, help you feel more harmonious versus dwelling on those moments where maybe you're not doing well. Yeah, if you're, yeah, that's perfect. That's a perfect summary. And if you're in a pinch and you have to think, okay, am I going to take time to try to decrease the negative or am I going to take time to try to build the positive or am I going to take time to focus on eliminating this conflict or am I going to take time to focus on thinking about how these things might enrich each other you might want to give a little bit more 
time to doing the positive resource building than trying to focus on the negative conflict elimination. It might give you a little more bang for your buck. Love it. I love it. And I hope that everyone can take some of these summaries away and really implement them in their lives and with their teams. Um, I think going back to psychological capital, like I think that kind of ties into that last theme too, right? Like being able to think about your skill sets broadly and how they might apply in multiple places. I think there's just so much um, positivity in this article. (laughs) Um, So I hope that there are some really great learnings. I think that there's a lot people can do. And maybe you just start with a couple of things and start with the positive. You're going to start with a few things from this article. Absolutely. And if you need help with that, you can find our course, which we'll link to. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing this article. Really appreciate it. I thought it was great. Um, Thank you all for listening. If you need to reach out, have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com. You can find us on our website. And as always, we'd love to see you in our community. So go check it out at workerbeing.com slash community. Thanks for listening. Thriving at Work is hosted by us, Dr. Patricia Grabarek and Dr. Katina Sawyer and produced by Allie Johnson.